This is Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy, brought to you by Everything Cowboy. Episode number 17. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, we're really doing it, right? Where's the summer gone? I don't know. I lost it. I've lost summer. We need to find it. We need to find it. If anybody's seen summer, let us know. We've been wearing sleeves for the last 25 days in Not a row. Not just your average sleeves, they're denim. Denim sleeves. Full Canadian tuxedo. Yeah, so today was the first day my shoulders have seen the sun since... Uh, 1965. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. Been been a couple years. It's been a couple years. It's been nice. Been good, though. Can't knock being busy rodeoing. Gotta love that. Busy stampeding. Stampeding. Yeah, yeah, so first episode after the stampede. Yeah, the hangover edition. Oh, God. Stampeded. Hangover edition. The kids are struggling today. I tell you what. I've I've had two naps today. I'm so mad at you now. <laughs> <laughs> I've been di- I've been struggling all day. <laughs> right, our, our morning meeting, I was like nodding off the whole time. It was brutal. I contemplated. I just take this like kind of sliding away and just going for a nap. Yeah. Just and I but I couldn't. I had to unload like two full pallets of booze and then build tear down an old display and build new displays. So you sweat out the booze while moving the booze today. Oh, I was I was not in good shape. Wacy didn't Wacy didn't get hung over all stampede until today. Yeah. And it all hit him all at once. I think it's a combination though of like during stampede you're still riding the high of like yep. this is so much fun, time of my life. Yeah. But now it's living like living my best life. Living literally living my best life. And then now it's like I'm just a normal guy again. <laughs> so it's like I think it's cul- culmination of like what like what I was up to plus just like a mental side of things too. It's like oh well, it's over. And then it's like, hey mom, I'm not on TV. I'm not on TV anymore, mom. I'm just a guy. My past doesn't get me anywhere. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How about the stampede? What was your highlight? I'd say like being getting down in there and pulling gates for a couple of days is really cool. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's fun to be to hang out. Well, I get to hang out with like Monty and Scott and Brett and Flint and yeah be around the fellas and there's no better place to watch the rodeo from than right there than right literally in front of right and like being in the arena yeah yeah so i mean being that was part of it for me that was a, i think just like all the other stuff too like for me like even meeting sean gleason was pretty cool for me like yeah. that's what person you obviously look up to especially being a business student and whatever yeah so i mean no there's lots of really cool things happened i think this year was a lot funner for me too because i was actually involved in some sort of way yeah so no even though your past couldn't get you in the only place that wouldn't let me in is behind the shoots but there was only that one guy gave me trouble (laughs) like i walked in there like every other day yeah so it's kind of funny though that you're like literally opening the shoot gates yeah and they won't let you doesn't work yeah we'll work on that for next year because what happened was i was doing that job ted got ted i got ted got injured i mucked out my hand a little bit why don't you tell the people what happened uh well it turns out bull hit a gate and then i kind of tripped a little bit and i forgot to over his own feet over my own feet (laughs) yeah and maybe a lump. It might have been a divot in the dirt. It's probably a gopher hole. Yeah, oh, for sure. Them damn gophers. Yeah, and then I, rip, I got a little bit of rope burn on my hand. It's I, I can vouch for Teddy, though. It's pretty bad rope burn. And I've had a lot of rope burn in my life, and that's a nasty one. It uh, really tore my hand up pretty good. Yeah. Did so, a number on it. So we swapped jobs for the weekend. We traded, because Wacy was going to go on the radio, but turned out he got called into the big leagues. First alternate gate puller. Yeah. That's me. And he was in. He was in. Like, we were already on alternate three. Like, I was already the third choice, but then went down to Wacy. I'm way down the list. Way down the depth yeah. chart. But a kid, the kid did all right, you know? He didn't die. Didn't die. Did a good uh, job, I felt like. Gloves. Nobody yelled at me. I had to wear gloves the second half. Well, I mean... It was. I think it was necessary for what was, what was going on with. My oh hands. yeah, you gotta be. You're, you're already hurt. See so you why know, I hurt it more. Yeah, didn't want to rip the the scabs off. But yeah, 
What's what is Teddy's highlight of Stampede 2018? Oh man, There's a lot of stuff going down. Man, I don't. I'm not not even sure. You got me on the spot here. I should. I asked the first question, then I was like, Yeah, it's one. Of, it's just one of those days. It is. It's <laughs> like I don't know how to explain the Stampede. It's like it's the it's, it's it, it is the hangover. Like the whole city is hungover literally oh, right yeah. now. Yeah. Our morning meeting, we have like a video group chat with everybody, and yeah. like just all all the Calgary people were just like just like nodding off the whole time. <laughs> People were not were feeling pretty rough. So one of the cool things for me about Stampede is how the whole city like buys into the whole thing. Everybody's on board, and the city kind of almost like shuts down for ten days, and just like it's focused around the Stampede. I think that's really cool. Like for such a big city to have that sense of community for ten days. Yeah, it's really neat to me. I thought that the "We Are Greatest Together" slogan really kind of kicked back. Uh, that that made sense to me the other day. Like people getting together. Like mm. it was Sunday night actually when we just finished down. So. When we just finished everything up at the grounds, I took back a few things and I had to, you know, we had to gather up a few things. So we mm-hmm. were done down there and I went over to the egg office to return something over there. And a couple of the media, like communications girls, Brooke Martin, Christina Barnes, they were all finishing up a few press releases and they were, there's a whole office building that they're in, like right, like the egg building there, yeah. but all three of them are in the same room. And I thought that was kind of neat that they were all working in the same room, working together. Like one was on an, one chair with the laptop and another spot. Of, there was three of them all in there, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought about, you know, we're greatest together. Like we all want to be together and mm-hmm. people don't want to be alone. Like it's, it's a, uh, there's a time and a place for being alone, but it's, I don't know, that sense of like being a part of a team or a community is yeah. really, it's good. I like that feeling. I love yeah. being, being around my buddies and my friends and being around people. And we're obviously the same way as I am. No, that's a really, it's a good way to put it. That's got to be me though. Seeing the people and getting to visit with everyone and. Yeah, it's amazing, know. man. It's yeah. Well, even it's like you roll in the three days of bull busting beforehand. So oh, like yeah. all your buddies are in town for three days, and then you yeah. get everybody who comes in throughout the ten days. It's amazing. Like I don't have to see anybody else for the rest of the year. I don't even care. I've seen them once during <laughs> Stampede. See you later. See you next year, guys. <laughs> but no, it's it's really cool to be able to see everybody and you get to watch the best rodeo in the world. And oh yeah, yeah. It's it's a pretty it's a pretty sweet S- event. Speaking of that. I love the Calgary format, but this bull riding this year kind of there was a bit of a maybe the one loophole in the format where Marcus won the hundred thousand on a seven with a seventy six point ride. Yeah, it's not the way you'd like to see it, but the guy did the, get his job. He Nobody did his else job. Did. Yeah, yes, I can't knock him for that. It just it's just kind of an anticlimactic finish yeah. when it's a you know not a, like a ninety point ride wins it. You know. Yeah, I think that bull had an off day too, though. I think that bull is usually pretty good. I don't. So I don't maybe know, just one of those. No. That's. I think it's a C five bull that you wrote. That was Rattler from Big Stone. I think. With Big, oh, it was Big Stone. I believe. Yeah. He was at the CFR last year. That bull. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he's usually pretty good. I think it's just. Well, and even like like Joe Frost rode Heaven's Basement to the West. So yeah. Little, and uh, Ty Wallace almost rode Annika's Pet. So I mean, I didn't think Fabiano was gonna fall off Whiskey Hand either. I, I thought he. Was. I thought Marcus was gonna ride Happy Camper this time. That's maybe. what I thought too. Yeah, for sure. He was my pick to win it. Yeah. And then Happy, Happy Camper. Camper really bucked again like yeah he's been bucking every time but threw marcus off easily again mm-hmm. yeah. yeah no i mean it's like you said it's really anticlimactic but like yeah kudos to marcus yeah for getting, congrats get it down, for him the job that's done. incredible for him i love to hear that week he threw down a 90 on on whiskey, on whiskey hand. hand that yeah. was pretty cool that was ride. a wolfy bull ride away from his oh, hand yeah. too i never away seen him hand, do that yeah. away from his hand it was cool but yeah so no it's but like overall it was read rodeo to like 93 in the bareback ride and, and the yeah, saddle bronc riding like man it was crazy it was so super cool. Great. Another great rodeo at the Calgary Stampede. And I think the biggest news this week out of the Calgary Stampede is the uh, announcement of Scott Schiffner's final Calgary Stampede. Yeah. And uh, he's on the show today. So stay tuned. Episode 17 of Cowboy Shit features the one and only Scott Schiffner. You're listening to Cowboy Shit, brought to you by Everything Cowboy. Hello. Scott. Hey, Ted. Let's just get started with Calgary. You said you were at one point going to just stop going kind of thing. You weren't going to say much, but you decided to make the announcement in Calgary. I did. You know, it was one of them deals that 
I actually and truthfully didn't put a lot of thought into it. It's not like I've been stewing on it for a year or even a month. You know, it's kind of come and went. And one day I'd always said I'd probably know. I'd just come home and I'd know and I'd quit entering and that would be the end of it. But it was one of them deals that I kind of had that feeling and I talked to my wife Brandy about it and she was just, you know, I hate to admit it, but she's always smarter than me and she just said, <laughs> she, you know, she said, you know, you got to kind of announce things like that for a couple reasons to give all the fans and all the people around me that have supported me for you know 20 plus years, you know, a little bit of closure in that and they might want to come see you and shake your hand one more time. And I kind of got thinking about it and I'm like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. So then when I made the announcement and then actually I ran into Justin Bolts and I was really happy I did because he come and shook my hand and that on Sunday. And, and he says, I wish I would have done that because he said it's just been just about 10 years since he's been on a bowl. But up until about four years ago, people are still asking him what happened, why he wasn't getting on, when he was getting on. So I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have wanted that either. So. So I'm happy with the decision now. That coming from Volts, I didn't I didn't know that till you just said that now. But that that puts it in perspective a little bit, doesn't it? It does. I guess you kind of need closure, and everybody else does because. And you know, I get I have been frustrated for five years with everybody asking me when I'm going to be when I'm retiring, and you know how much longer and this and that. But as I got thinking about it, I guess people just want to talk to you, and they they want something, and they don't know anything else to talk to you about. So it's the first thing that pops to their head. So <laughs> at least now, at least now everybody knows. What would you have rather they been asking? I'd have rather them just said, man, that was a good ride, but I guess it was hard when I was getting bucked off all the time. For <laughs> In all the interviews you've done so far, what have you wanted to say but maybe haven't had a chance to say yet? I don't got a lot. I'm pretty happy with my decision, you know, and I think the biggest thing that, that really hit me was Williams Lake this year. That's kind of was the tipping point on my, I guess, where I ended up going with this. And I went out there, and I went out there with, um, you know, a great group of guys, and we had we had fun, and it was a it was great. And I was sitting at that rodeo, and I was behind the chutes, and you know, it's a good rodeo, lots of people and everything. And I just kind of got thinking, I'm like, you know, I've been to this rodeo, I probably entered it 20 times, and I've probably been there 15. And I'm like, nothing's changing. It's the same, and I'm missing other things in my life. You know, that same time, Mesa was at a different rodeo and, and won third there in the barrel racing, and, and Hadley was at that same rodeo the next day um, doing the second time she'd ever trick rode, you know, in front of a crowd. And, and I was missing that, and I'm just like, I don't know that bull riding is everything in my life anymore. It's uh, it's still a huge part of it, and it has been everything in my life, but that was kind of the tipping point, and then forgot about it when you come back to places like Pinocchio to the short round, and, and then when you go to places like Calgary, you know, if I could go to Pinocas and Calgary's and Canadian finals and PBR Canada finals, you know, about 10 of those a year, you know, I'd ride as long as I could, but uh, that's not how it works. You got to go to them other rodeos to, to get to go to them places. And I don't think I got it in me to go to them, them other ones anymore. It's just different rodeos now. You said you were going to still be around rodeos and I feel like I've seen you more at events lately doing other things than actually competing. Like you're already into that next phase already. I have, you know, it's I've been very fortunate in in making that transition. You know, I guess that's what happens when you're around so long and you become a familiar face. You know, I've I'm making that transition and I've uh, been doing a little bit with stuff with the PBR and you know, I was very fortunate at Calgary. I got to ride there and I got to do a little bit of TV stuff and I, you know, I got to go talk to Ron McLean and so I, I I'm not sure where my future lies in that, but right now, you know, I'm leaving all the doors wide open for sure and and the best thing for me is I think 
my transition away from bull riding, it's not going to be an easy one by no circumstances, but I think I'm, it's going to be easier for me than a lot of guys for the fact that I got to do it so many years. I'm getting to kind of walk away on my own terms and it's not an injury or something. I'm not 28 or 30 years old and still feel like my tank's right full and I have to leave due to an injury. I just, uh, I just got to leave now because I'm getting old. <laughs> well, and, and it's not even that as much as you just, this is where you think it's time. I, you know, and I, and I I can, and I, I said that the other day, and it, it to sound cliche and like the song, but I said, I still really believe that I can beat anybody on any day. I just know I can't beat them every day. And by that, I mean, like, if, if you put me in the right situations, I can beat anybody, but going every day and going to all them rodeos and them bull rides and short rounds and getting on that many bulls, I know I can't beat them every day because I just, I'm getting where the drive and desire isn't quite as what it was. And my body, no doubt about it, is it's starting to remind me that it's, it's getting old and gets upset with me at times now, for sure. How did you keep that drive and desire going for 17 CFRs and 21 years of bull riding? The biggest thing for me is, and you know, and I, and I say it all the time, and I, and I don't try to keep it a secret, is I, I constantly strived as hard as I could to put myself around people that were better than me. Not just as good as me or like great competitors, like people that were truly better than me. And, and I was fine with it because I always liked being that guy that had to keep up. And if I put myself around the Bow Hills of the world, the Jesse Torkelsons, we can go back to the Blue Stones, the Cody Hancocks, you know, them guys were always better than me. But I just put myself around them. So then I only had one opportunity, and that was to keep up. I had to keep up with them or go home, and I didn't want to go home. And, you know, and then in the last few years, you know, when, when Bo decided to call it quits and wasn't rodeoing as much, and, you know, Jesse now has been gone for a couple of years, I found them young guys like them Todds and all them guys. And what they did is they just made me relive my youth, right? And it, it was fun for me to help them guys enter, give them a little bit of perspective on what I did know over the years. But they darn sure taught me a lot, and, and they just kept reminded me why I wanted to ride bulls, you know, when, when we do callbacks and they would be jumping around and happy as can be and that. And it just, them kind of things always just kept my fire burning for sure. But let's go way back. In the first couple of years, you won Calgary, won Canada, and then there was a couple of years between your next titles. But let's go way back there. I want to talk about what it was like when you were first starting out and who you were going with. And So when I left the amateur rodeos and uh you know i was pretty fortunate to be pretty successful in the amateurs and i left them when i was 17 years old and and come to the pro level which that's a whole story in itself on you know the million questions i get asked about young kids if they should be going that early but it's one of them deals where i come up and i come with uh trevor whitmack and jace hardy and they were my two best friends in the world and everybody remembers jace he was he was bound to be a canadian champ or something like he was just the most talent i've seen probably ever in anybody and then Trevor Whitmack, who had the most most try and desire of anybody I've ever seen, and I was just kind of stuck in the middle. And, and we just come up together all at the same time. And I remember rookie year, you know, Jace won Cloverdale, you know, at that time one of the biggest rodeos in rookie year. And at the end of that year, I was the only one that made the finals, and I really hadn't won anything. I just kind of kept picking away all year. And then we went again the next year, and Jace got hurt, and Trevor got hurt, and I was kind of on my own. And from there, I jumped in with uh, Blade Young and Garth Oldfield, who I owe lots to because they were the first guys that I really headed down south with. And Garth was off a year. He'd been down south the year before. He ended up in the top 20 of the world the year before that in 2000. And so then when I went with them guys, everybody knew Garth already. So he always introduced me and we kind of got around. And, and same thing, we all just went rodeoing and we had a had a really good time and all of a sudden it come fall you know I hadn't really won too much big yet but I was I was in the mix and you know I didn't wasn't really that close I ended up in the top 30 
guess, and that would be in 2000, sorry. And then that next year, you know, I just had that confidence, and we left, and we went rodeoing, and it was fun. We just went fun all year long. And, you know, but the, the, the biggest thing I remember about that whole year is the 4th of July run, the 1st and 4th of July run, three major things stick out in my head is going into the 1st and 4th of July run, I was in the top 10 in the world. And we went to, Blade, Garth, and I went to, I think we went to about 15 rodeos in 12 days, and I got bucked off of every single bull I went, got on, you know, Airdrie, Pinoca, Cody, all them. The only one I went to was Swift Current, and I stayed on a bull there. An old bull, Bruce Sundstrom's called Charlie, that had been to the NFR and that, but it, it was in his later years, and I stayed on him. I think I was 76 or 7 points, won a day money check, and that was it. And I went from in the top 10 in the world to about 20th in the world in that kind of week. But I remember leaving Pinocchio and I was just down in the dumps. It was one of our last ones before we headed south. And Bill Kaler at the time, he walked up to me and shook my hand. And I was pretty down. And, and I don't know how many people he says that to, but I I think it was for me that year. And he goes, he goes oh, don't worry about it, Scott. He says, we'll see you down south there in a couple of weeks on the stage getting a check for 50000 And we left and I come back and I showed up in Calgary and I was... My confidence was as low as it could ever have been, and I just rolled in there, and I won the first round at Calgary. I had one that just kept almost jumping back underneath me. Win the first round at Calgary, uh, come back the second round, and stayed on. Didn't place in that round, but come back to the average. Stayed on in the average round. I ended up winning third or fourth in the average. Go then to the 10 round on Sunday. Stayed on there. I was fourth in that round. They bucked us all off in Calgary in the first set of final four and then I was the only guy to, to stay on in in the second four and you know win fifty thousand. And then with that money and that we went from Nampa and I went down and won Nampa and then I was back up in the you know, I was back in the top ten in the world. And that's all really a big thanks to Blade and Garth, you know, for them guys just pushing me and wanting me to go and by that time I'd become really good friends with Cody Hancock and a bunch of them guys. So when you're getting the opportunity to walk into rooms with world champs and guys like that you know, your confidence goes up and, and you just start winning. And from there, it just kind of rolled out. And, you know, it was kind of up and down. And towards the fall, I was kind of falling out of it. But I was still in a hunt and I was going everywhere I could. And I remember I left um, Little Rock, Arkansas at uh, about 11 o'clock at night. And there used to be a bull called Rampage 2. And I rode the heck out of him, one of the best rides I think I've ever made. And they called me for slapping him, which... I, I will get the benefit of the doubt lots of times now, but I didn't then, and, and I didn't slap him, and uh, they called me for it. And I left there, and I went to Billings, and I was so frustrated with myself, and everybody told me I couldn't make it from Little Rock, Arkansas to Billings the next night by myself, and I did. I made it, and I pulled in there. The bulls were loaded, and I got on a bull there that was really good. Greg Whitlow ended up winning Billings on him that actually made him the NFR, and he bucked me off. I was so frustrated, and I just went home for a few days because I was entered up everywhere, and I just... I had to get home, and then we went back down at the end of the year. At that time, used to be the Cal Palace Rodeo, and that was the last rodeo. I made the short round of the Cal Palace, and I remember there was Billy Richards, Kagan Surrett, and myself, and we all were on the bubble to make the NFR. All Kagan or I had to do was stay on to make the NFR, and Billy Richards, the way it played out, he needed a 70, I can't remember, 76 or 77 to make the NFR. And Kagan got bucked off a real good one. I had a bull that I'd rode before, and I was so excited to have him, and he ran. He actually ran to the middle of the arena and tried to jump the barrel in the middle of the arena. didn't even turn back, and when he tried to jump the barrel, he kind of jumped sideways and shit me off the side. And me and Kagan, and Billy was 70. He was a point shy. Anyway, so three of us missed the NFR, 
Kagenstrad ended up getting to go to the NFR because that's the year that Greg got hurt. And uh, so Kagan went in because uh, he was 16th and I was 17th. And Kagan ended up getting to go. But, uh, you know, of all that and making it and not making it that I remember the most is anybody that knows Kagenstrad and one of the most polite guys you've ever seen in your life, never swore, everything. And at the time, there was a, a reporter up here that uh, we all used to call Whiskey Nose. <laughs> And uh, Dwayne Erickson, and he called, 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 and we wouldn't answer our phones because we knew what was going on. And finally, Kagan Surrett answers the phone, and he goes, Dwayne, now is not the time. I'm about to drive us into oncoming traffic on the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> and, <hung up. laughs> and for, for Kagan Surrett to say something like that, it was hilarious. And, and the worst part of that, or, well, I don't know how you want to look at it, the worst for Kagan, funniest for all of us, None of us talked to Dwayne, and we drove. And at that time, we drove. That was Sunday night, and the CFR started on Wednesday. That's how it used to be. And we drove straight. We all kind of stopped at home, got clothes, and went up to Edmonton. We're all up to Edmonton Tuesday night. Well, in the preview paper that they always put out up there and that, they had a write-up in there about us guys all missing the NFR and, you know, Roddy and Danny making it and, and Glenn O'Neill at the time and all them guys. And in there, there's a big quote that Kagan Surrett is about to drive himself into oncoming traffic. <laughs> so, um, you know, it was just one of them deals. And then and then we rolled into Edmonton and missed Dan Afar, and it broke my heart, but didn't let it phase me too much. And went into Edmonton and had a great finals and rode six. And uh, Kelly Armstrong and I had to have a have a ride off for the for the Canadian Championship. And I remember Kelly went first, and he rode X's and O's for '86, and I had to go next. And I had a bull called Dodger Up of uh, Rod Schellingberg's, and I was '86 and a half. And when Canada, and it, it's funny because I can sit here and tell you guys this whole story and remember bulls and names and everything, but I can't tell you what I got on last weekend in Calgary. You know, it's just that's how much <laughs> that's how much it's changed. You know, oh, wow. that's how much back then it was um, everything. It, it meant everything in the world to me, and nothing else mattered. And, and now that's why I'm retiring is uh, I can remember more of my daughter's braille racing times and my daughter's script on what trick trick riding move she's going to do than what I got what I got on or that so that's a pretty good sign that I that I should be retiring man that's a hell of a story I don't think I've ever heard you tell that before you know that's I think the biggest thing that I'm going to really miss with the rodeo is you know I'm going to I'm going to be involved no doubt about it I'm not sure how you know between the schools I do with Johansson's and um, you know if I keep doing a little bit of stuff with the PBR and that but once you're on the outside looking in stories like that are now somebody else's stories they're not yours anymore so that's uh, that's what I'm gonna probably really miss you know the most and and the competition it's always been the biggest thing of mine to I've always loved being that guy that's had to go last, like knowing some, like knowing you have to ride to win, not knowing all you got to do is stay on to win, because that's usually when you just join everybody else and fall off, right? Well, and what was it like in Calgary that last day? You were in the middle of the program, but they did save you for the, for the end on Saturday. Yeah, so it was shitty, to be honest with you. It was one of them deals that just, um, you know. I loved it, and I and I got I owe Calgary so much, and everybody that did that. But it was one of them deals that you know I got bucked off, and I didn't even get bucked off. I fell off, and so I was mad. And then the hardest thing with a deal like that is go out there, and all your friends are there, and they're congratulating you. And I'm still trying to be mad from getting bucked off, and then you lose. What a great honor it is, right? Because I'm trying to fight my emotions of sucking, and then I'm trying to fight my emotions of all my friends coming up to me and. uh you know, congratulate me. And I wish I could just take an outer body experience and 
watch it from the stands because, you know, I didn't even realize that, you know, everybody in the stands was standing up, clapping, giving me a standing ovation because I was just still trying to keep my emotions in a mixture of being mad and a mixture of uh, really appreciating all the, the great champions and that that were that were coming along and shaking my hand. So it, it, it was the biggest honor, one of the biggest honors I've received, but it was just I didn't really get to take it in now until now that I'm thinking about it. And, uh, and I think I probably missed 90% of what really went on. I have the video of it. I can send it to you. You don't have to go out of your body. You can just watch it back. <laughs> yeah, I could do that too, I guess, <laughs> eh? for sure. <laughs> That would have been the closest you got to the NFR then was that year would it, is that right? Yeah, so I uh so in in a 6 year window I ended up in the top 20 five out of six years and one year I uh, in 02 so when I was coming back in 02 I was really excited you know I was confident I I knew I could do it and that and I had a pretty good winner I, I cracked him for a little bit there here and there and actually made the short round in Houston and we ducked off to a rodeo in Monroe, Louisiana. Um, and I ended up winning third at Monroe, and I got off. Well, actually, for me, I got off pretty good. And I just got off, landed on my feet with my legs straight and my hands on the ground, and a bull spun over top of me and stepped actually like right on, kind of like on my ass cheek or up on my hip with my legs straight and broke my femur off. And that was the end of that. That was uh, in '02. so that year was, was a write-off and and that year was really disappointing for me because you know being the Canadian champ and I I never got a ride that year as the Canadian champ and that's when you got an automatic bite at the 10 round at Calgary the world champ Canadian champ and Rodeo and Royal champ did and and I had some buys for other things back then and and I got to miss that so that was uh that was pretty disappointing and and then I guess the uh the next closest I come was in oh five four or five I'd have to look back at what it was I was, uh, you know, I just was on fire. I, I was riding so good. One of the better times I've been riding in my life. And win second in the average at Calgary. And I won Nampa. And I won a bunch of rodeos. I won like 35000 in like three weeks. And I was fifth in the world. And come up and I went to Helena, Montana. I won Helena. And I got off bad and broke my leg off again. Not my femur that time. I ended up 17th in the world that year. And I never got on a bowl after July about 20th. So in that, you know, so so there was some there was some disappointing times in there. But I think those are also things that make a guy learn how to win too, right? Guys that can come back from things like that. I, I wanted to ask, what do you think it would have took to make to make the NFR like what do you think it what was the issue but it sounds like you were you made it you just didn't you just had, uh, had injuries hit you right like well I did but everybody has injuries you know at the at the end of the day the number one thing the only reason I didn't make the NFR is I should have stayed on more bulls <laughs> that's that's it you know like you can go back and say injury this or injury that or you know a drew a piece of shit here or there but it don't matter it's uh the guys that stay on the most bulls and win at the right places that's who gets to go and that was that was never me you know and i uh you know it's always one of them things that i'm going to look back at my career and that's the one thing that i that i really wanted to accomplish that i never did i'm almost at peace with it now because it's not like i didn't try it's not like there's you know i've heard guys say you know oh man i wish i would have took a run at the NFR. Well, I took a run and I took a run for quite a few years and, you know, I just, I did come shop short, but at least I put all I had into it and, and tried and uh, still not that, but that's how it lets me sleep at night unless better to try and fail than to just uh, sit on the sidelines and wish you would have. 
Well, and and things changed in about oh five or oh six when the P, when you started going to the PBRs more so. That's exactly what happened. So in oh six and uh, PBR come to Canada, and so we uh, you know we decided like Bo Hill and myself and that decided we would take a year off and and just go to them them bull ridings and see how that worked and and you know that first year in Canada it was great. It was oh six is bar none the best year I've ever had a bull riding in my life. You know as all together you know I was PBR Canada champ. I was a season leader going into the PBR Canada finals. Season leader going to CPRA finals. You know Tanner come and whoop me at the finals that year. But you know I still had a great year. I got to go to the PBR World Finals. You know and I and I just rode better than I ever had. I rode like a you know at that year I, I remember looking back I still got it in my book. I think I got bucked off in like three short rounds that year. That was it. And, you know, I made probably 85% of the short rounds that year. It was just a great year. And it was, and everybody in Canada had a, I don't know what the right word was, but, you know, like Aaron Roy was a young kid, so he was just coming up. And, and everybody was excited about where the PBR was going to go in Canada. And everybody was supporting it and, it, and it was cool. And there wasn't that stigma yet of, well, you got to be a PBR guy or you got to be a rodeo guy. Everybody in Canada was both, and everybody was just excited that we had all these extra bull runs and that to go to, and we worked them with the rodeos, and it was great. And, you know, 07 was really like that, too. I wasn't as much because then in 07, I was on tour down south for most of the year, so I missed a lot of stuff up here. But And, you know, in 08 was still sort of, but 08's when um, Spire Capital bought the PBR, and everything really changed after that stuff really changed and some for the good and some for the bad but it really it took out the cowboys excitement a little bit because we started getting told what to do a little bit instead of just asked to do it and we do it willingly so it, it kind of changed and and i've been there through all that and there's been ups and downs and you know it's it seems to me like it's kind of coming back and it's on it's on the right path a little bit again i want to talk about highlight of your career it's probably something you've been asked lots but the highlight of my career, it's a toss-up between my second Canadian title and my second win at Calgary. And for two reasons. Um, it was so much later in my life, and, you know, it had been that many years between them. And I think the reason they were so much more significant to me then was there's a lot of naysayers saying I couldn't. When I missed the finals at 11 at 31 years old, I remember everybody saying, oh, you know, that's, you know, Scott's, you know, he's reaching the end. And then I come back the next year and win Canada, and then two years later I come back and win Calgary. And that gave me satisfaction, but the biggest thing is I had somebody to share it with. And I, I had a wife and a family and, you know, three little girls, and, and that's what probably makes that, I would say, the the specialist, like my biggest moment. And then I always get asked, what what's the best bull ride you think you've ever made? And I've made a few different ones, but one year in, it was actually in 2001 in Crockett, Texas, uh, we showed up there to ride bulls and there was like 25 of us in the perf. And I was like, wow, that's a big performance. Well, they actually bucked like eight guys in the perf and the rest of us were in slack that they didn't say after the rodeo. I'm like, oh, okay, not a big deal. They'll wrap it up and buck bulls. No, they wrapped it up and then they ran like 150 calf ropers and 75 bulldoggers and 120 barrel racers. And we got on bulls at 3.30 in the morning in Crockett, Texas, and there wasn't a soul in that building except two judges, Sammy Andrews, and about four of us that stayed to get on because everybody Whoa. else had left. And I was uh, 93 points on a bull called Bone Collector. <laughs> and it was it was one of the best rides I'd ever made. I don't, I'm not going to say it's the best ride I ever made, but it was definitely the best ride I ever made to that point. Wow. But it's just got something neat about it because, like, six people seen it. And yeah. so I can be telling you a, a, a bullshit story that, you know, it's all made up. 
the only proof was it was in the you know it was in the pro rodeo journal that I yeah. won it you know but you know and and it's funny you know it none of my greatest rides are them ones where my greatest rodeo moments but that was my greatest ride I, I think anyway somebody told me to tell or to ask you about I think it was the Olympics on was it maybe Rampage just spoofing was a bull oh okay but, yeah so, so that uh, that was the third round at the Olympics yeah and I was I was ninety. 91 or 92 and won the last round and actually split the uh, sorry that was in the second round sorry my bad it was in the second round and Cody Hancock and I actually split the bronze medal because of that ride but they didn't have any tiebreakers in place at the time so they decided the tiebreaker would go to whoever had the highest score in the last round out oh. of the whole deal and Cody had higher score in the last round than I did and he got oh. the bronze medal and it was one of them deals that it was kind of uh, unorganized on that part Oh, so Cody sucks. tried to give me the bronze medal, and I I wouldn't take it. And anyway, but we always just say me and him split it. So. Oh man. So, yeah. That'd have been yeah. neat to have kicking around though. Yeah, it'd have been pretty cool. So I uh, Monday I'll maybe tell Cody he's here it's in another turn. ten years or something. I'll say he's had it long enough. <laughs> give it to me for the second half. <laughs> so we talked about the highlight of, the, of your career that way. I want to talk about what the what what the coolest thing might have been. What was the coolest thing you did in, in the sport or or with the sport or. You know, a couple things. I think probably the coolest thing that I ever got to do, and I didn't even ride a bull, was the, the, when I had the opportunity to go to China. Um, I went to China. We went over there for a trades mission, and I and I got to spend a bunch of time at the time with Stephen Harper and the whole entourage with the Prime Minister of Canada, and just promote rodeo. And at that time, Stephen Harper was was saying Canada was going to be a first world destination country for China. So what it means to China. They're going to guarantee Chinese people that met the criteria. We're going to guarantee a three. I think it was a three-week uh, travel visa to come over here. Where before it was a quite an issue to to get one to come over, and it all tied in with the hundredth anniversary of the Calgary Stampede. So I got to go over there and just see China, and I got to do it first class, right? When you're with the prime minister and that, you know, I had a had a translator, a driver, and everything, and they took me around and got to go where I wanted to, and that was probably one of the coolest things I ever did, you know, and, and probably the next one of the coolest things I got the opportunity to do was when Jesse Torkelson, myself, and Devin Maisie got the opportunity to ride for Prince William and Kate and, and actually have the opportunity to talk to him for three or four minutes, which lots of people don't ever get that opportunity, and you know, those are things that are that are pretty pretty darn neat that I've been very fortunate to do. Did you get to drink beer with Stephen Harper? No, he never <laughs> did have a beer with me. Really? No, no, he never had a beer with me. But uh, we went out one night and we like, well, I better not say out, not our out terms, like out at a fancy dinner and that. And I was yeah. him and I think I don't know what we drank. We were both drinking something like sake or something, and I remember we both thought it was pretty terrible. <laughs> I no, he's uh he's a really neat and interesting man, but he's very very businessman. Like he uh, he was very status quo for sure. You were involved in that video that was put out by the sports medicine team about the concussions and stuff. I just want like because you've been in the sport and involved for so long. Like what is what's your take on that or where are you at here? I think Wes, I'm like I'm definitely on board with what Brandon and the whole team is trying to do. The biggest thing that I would like to see is. Somebody I know, and I don't know who's wanting to step up, like, you know, like we throw Brandon under the bus all the time because he's our front man. But somebody at that level, we need to get this organization all together 
where there is definitely a status quo where we can, like somebody can make the call to take guys out, right? Because I, I'm going to resort back to a few years ago at the, at the CFR and, you know, them sports medicine guys thanked me and thanked me and thanked me because I withdrew out of the sixth round. Well, you know, everybody's like, oh, yeah, Scott didn't get on because he got knocked out, you know, da-da-da-da. But, you know, that cost me, potentially cost me, I guess I could have got bucked off, but potentially cost me a couple rounds or a couple spots in the average, cost me a spot at Calgary probably. And that, but I made that decision because I was older and I had a family and I knew what I had to lose. If that had been 10 years before that, even in today's, even with them guys telling me no, I'd have told them to shove it up their ass and I'd have got on because I'm going to, and that shouldn't be left up to us. And that's the biggest thing that I would really like to see this go is, you know, we can, we can really coach the young kids on this and that. We can talk helmets and we can talk all that back and forth, but decisions that involve that concussion protocol and that them decisions need to be taken out of our hands because we're going to make the wrong decision 90% of the time. And then it's just one of them things that you can just, and, and I, I have, don't have the answers by any means, you know, and I'm going to throw Marcos under the bus, you know, just went a hundred thousand at Calgary and that, and I've seen him get on three or four times this year and he should, he shouldn't have been getting on goals. But how do you tell a guy like that to make his own decision not to get on and then he goes and wins. And, like, when he was getting on, he was still winning. So, but the long-term effects of that are just starting to come out now. So, it, you know, that's where the biggest thing in our industry is. How do we stop that? Because the other thing is, somebody like Brandon, and, you know, I'm just using him as an example, says, you know what, Scott, you can't get on today. He can't legally do that because unless I'm on a wage, right? Because if I'm on a wage and getting paid and guaranteed, like in the NHL and all that, that's then them guys can say you can't do it. But if he's doing it, then he's then waxed by rights. I can take him to court and tell him that he's hindering my way to make a living, right? So where do we go with it? I'm not 100% sure, but them are all the issues that I see with it, and that's why I'm 100% on board with at least trying to get these videos out and getting the conversation going and trying to get at least guys to look after and take care of themselves. But it's easy to take care of yourselves when you get knocked out at one rodeo and the next rodeo is just a little rodeo or a little bull ride. It's really hard to take care of yourself when you get knocked out in the next day's Cag Stampede or the next day's Canadian Finals or PBR Finals, right? Yeah. Where do we go from there? Let's talk about the time that the Ranchmans got into GQ Magazine from a foot of water from the big party you guys had there that time. Oh, that was the sweetest party ever at Ranchmans. <laughs> ever. <laughs> That was the best one ever. That was in uh, that was in 2001. When you won it that year. So you okay. instigated the party. That Yeah, the well, we did in that year. The Ranchmans, I don't know why it was so awesome. There was like me and Ross Kreutzer and all them guys, and we started a water fight in the bar, and they were fine with it. And by the end of the night, there was like waitresses. We were filling up garbage cans, and like the waitresses and that were shooting water everywhere. <laughs> it's so much water in the ranch from the front bar there like when you walk in like on the east end yeah there was water running from there all the way down to the dance floor and by the end of, nobody was on the dance floor because everybody was just up by that bar because yeah. mostly just cowboys in there and by the end of the night there was about an inch and a half of water covering the whole dance floor <laughs> oh, man. it was it was that's uh for probably not in the state to remember much i very much remember a lot of that so it must have been a good night <laughs> how much of your uh, fifty thousand did you leave in the ranchman's that night I left that night in the Ranchman's. I left about, my tab was about twelve or $1,300, and our waitress <laughs> was absolutely exceptional that night. I had one waitress, and I went up there and told her that anybody that was
was on my tab, and I give her a secret word, and I told her, if anybody comes and says this, they're on the tab. Well, you know how that works. In about 20 minutes, everybody in the bar <laughs> a secret word. But she took care of it. Like, she was, like, telling certain people no and that, and I didn't have to do anything. And, and I tipped her 500 bucks that night, I remember. And uh, so, yeah, so I don't know. It was probably a 16 or $1,700 night. But when you're 21 years old uh, and just win 50000 it's going to be another poor day, so it's well worth it. That's what you started your ranch with, though, right? Was that first fifty grand? You bought a bunch of cows and got everything growing. It, it was, yeah. My fifty, my first fifty thousand, I bought thirty bred heifers with it. So, yeah, and that's where all that money went, and and yeah, just kind of kept rolling with it from there. Well, is there anything else you want to say, just uh, as far as retirement wise, career wise, any other stories? I got, a, I got a million stories and that, but you know, I think the biggest thing is I, at the end of the day, you know, I've said. I've said lots to lots of people in that, and I said, you know, I'm an asshole, and I know it, and if anybody (laughs) has a problem with it, then that's their problem, not mine, but I I don't really, you know, I always say that jokingly in that, but but I do owe, I owe my whole career to a lot of, a lot of great people that I've been surrounded with in that, and you know, it's, it's everybody from I've traveled with to, you know, I owe my career to a lot of guys that I competed against that I absolutely hated. And I still hate to this day as people, but I, I still know that I owe them a lot for, for making me a better competitor. And, uh, you know, and I, and I owe just everybody, you know, my, my sponsors and endorsements over the years, all them companies that have stood beside me and, uh, and seen something in me that other people didn't or I didn't see in myself. And, uh, you know, and Justin McBride always used to say, he goes, you know, the only reason he was a champ and as great as he was is his mom lied to him his whole life and made him believe that he was better than he really was. And <laughs> I think that's a very true statement because my, my mom did that for me too. And, uh, you know, I think just, you know, I, I owe everybody in rodeo a lot and, uh, I hope I left it better than I, when I showed up and, um, I'm just, uh, I'm retiring as a bull rider. I'll still be a cowboy, but I'm, uh, I'm just retiring. I'm not dying. It's not a funeral. So it's not like I'm leaving. So. True. Very yep. true. And uh, I want to I want to ask about all the sponsorship and endorsement deals at some point, but we'll leave that for another show when we get talking. We want to talk business wise sometime. Yeah, I think it'd be sure. interesting to talk about that and talk about everybody wants a sponsor and everything, but they don't uh, they don't get the other side of it where you actually have to do something for that company. Yep, exactly. Know, so. and, and and on that note, too, I'd love to talk to you about that because it's uh, it, I don't try to keep a secret how I go about mine and that and i think if more cowboys and everybody not saying mine's the only way but it i've it's worked pretty good but if i think uh a lot more cowboys can do that we, it's better for the whole sport we can bring more companies in and, and the companies then want to come because they feel like they're getting something right yeah we got to finish with your definition of cowboy shit definition of cowboy shit um drinking fighting and <laughs> cowboy shit. nice <laughs> perfect Okay. Cool, guys. You're listening to Cowboy Shit, brought to you by Everything Cowboy. Thanks again to Scott Schiffner for being on the show today. This is episode number 17 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy. Live from the studio headquarters in lovely Northwest Calgary. <laughs> the NW, baby. And it's a little... What up? It's hot. There's no AC in the house. She's yeah, a little this hot is where it pays here. off to be a basement dweller. The basement life's good these days. Wacy Anderson, the basement bandit. The basement troll. <laughs> No, it's nice and cool down there. I don't know. Ooh. I don't know how you guys are gonna. You want to trade? Just sleep on the futon, mate. Sleep on yeah, futon. That'll be great. You'd be nice and cool. I'm gonna go on the hammock. I think. 
hammock. A lot of, a lot of people sleepover. are saying you're not going to do that. <laughs> a lot of people are saying you won't. <laughs> yeah, so. So stampede time. Uh, always a great time of year. I was counting on the calendar today. We've been to like, I think since June. Yeah, since June 21st, maybe. When High River started, I've been to like 35 performances in the last 25 days. It's a lot days. of rodeos. Yeah, it's been awesome though. A lot of rodeo, a lot of chuck wagon racing. Oh yeah, the Wagoons. I, I was disappointed that no Canadians won at Calgary this year. That was kind of disappointing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For the amount of guys we had in, like we should yeah. have pulled at least one. In the four round, like yeah. Jake Vold missed it by a half a point. Whoever's going to get Virgil in the bareback riding, like you're right going to get gonna him. Yeah. Anyway. About Keenan calling that and then it happened and he's like part of the rodeo. It seems like, was it rigged or was it not rigged? No comment. <laughs> I don't know. I I I never actually never knew that. <laughs> that was, did you see that clip though? That was interesting. I didn't watch it. Yeah, I have to watch it. He says, "Yeah, he's gonna do this and this and win." And I'm like, hmm. Hmm. "What's going on down there, Keenan?" <laughs> Stampede. Yeah, no Canadians win. The announcers seemed to think that Marcus Gloria was from Edmonton. That they were like Wayne. Really Wayne Wanye was like hell bent on that. That Edmonton thing. Yeah. yeah. And I realize that's his address from the CPRA, but like... His name is Marcos. His name is Marcos Gloria. I haven't met anybody (laughs) from Edmonton named Marcos. Yeah. We'll just leave that one there. That's fine. Hey, cool. It was, you know, he's been here for quite a while. He made like a history because he's like the first Brazilian to win since Adriano, right? In 1994. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Very, very neat. I, and I was really surprised by that. Like, and I thought another one would, another guy would have won it. Yeah, like with all those span. good guys like yeah. Kaike and Guilherme. Oh, and yeah. And the amount of times that uh, Robson Palermo had been to the Stampede. So I don't know if Silvano's ever been up to the Stampede. I don't think he has. He had to. Those when he won the world the three times. Oh, but I don't think he ever came. Oh, up. really? Yeah. yeah I anyway. think he stayed at home. But either, still. either way, with good with guys like that. Like, yeah, somebody. Like, if it was... Like Jao Ricardo Vieta, he was here a few times. Fabiano's been a number of times. Like I did, yeah, I'm surprised nobody's nobody's done it. Marcos did it. Marcos did it. He's the guy. And how about that? That though, again, like that's huge for that guy. Hey, just even like he just like burst onto the scene like since like yeah. when he when he like, did well at those year. yeah the Monster Energy Tour yeah well he even yeah. started this when he won the CFR won the CFR and then and they just, just taken off yeah man like yeah. It's pretty cool. It's 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 like it's funny like it's an indirect route that then most Brazilians take to that yeah, level, right? Usually true. they just come straight yeah, to the to America and probably the first Brazilian boy to come to the BF like go to the PBR's top level through Canada. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Right? A lot of Aussies have done it. Lachlan Richardson first appeared in Canada, Troy Wilkinson. Yeah, well, even some of the young Canada. the American boys like Triplet yeah. and uh, Triplet did so, Triplet Shopper. One, yeah, Shopper was up here, Stetson Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah. Stetson started in the CCA. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I won the CCA in what? 2012. 12? Okay. Yeah. Neat. That's pretty. How neat is that? that down if you want. That's pretty neat. A little bit of history with Ted and Wacy. On cowboy shit. Yeah, history so? Edition. The Ty Posbon Foundation released the first video of educational series. This one was called Concussion Awareness, and uh, it had like so over 30,000 views last we looked. Yeah, it blew up there. Pretty good start. It blew up the web, yeah. And starring Wacy Anderson. Starring yours truly, a local yeah. celeb. It was pretty yeah. good. I, I was pretty... Pretty pumped up when Brandon and Tori asked me to be a part of that video. It's awesome to be able to stick, share my story and kind of my road to where I'm gotten to now. So now it's it's it's, it's amazing how it turned out. Like it's re- really really good. So keep watching it, people. It's a good good thing. We need to educate ourselves on head injuries and how to take care of ourselves. Keep watching it. Keep watching it. And stay tuned for more. There's more coming. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The next ones are is already in the works. It's uh, that focus on mental health. Nice. So big thanks, Tanner Byrne, Rusty Clooney, Brandon Tommy, Tori Tommy, all getting that done. Ted, Myself, you're in, you're in the Mike Beely. 
You're in the Pausabond Foundation. You're part of it. Yeah, I am. I'm We're I'm the shipping guy though. So today after Stampede, merch. I'm like working the merch. There's a few envelopes to send out. A few boxes. He's got a big trip to the post office tomorrow. He's going to have to leave the house. It's going to be a few trips on the bike. Are you going to do it on a bike? No. It's too many boxes. A lot of people are saying you won't. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of orders going out. We got some new stuff, too. If you uh, listen to the podcast Here you haven't first. seen the new items, got a f- some few new things, some new st- hat styles. And they are. Some new ladies' Let me tanks. tell you, people, they're hot. They're pretty neat. Hot and fresh for the summer. So you should probably get some. There's there's not very many of them right now, is there? Limited quantities. Limited there? limited quantities. These things get are going to be hot. While they last. While supplies last. Which might be a day. Yeah, might be two days. You know, might be But why days. risk it? Get one now. Get one now. Hmm. Okay, let's do the report now. Team Canada report. Da-na-na, da-na-na. In the bareback riding. <laughs> Oren Larson, number 10 in the world standings. And then we go down to number 16. We got Clint Lay and Luke Creasy is in number 19 spot. 15th is uh, Ty Brewer right now. He's got 46,001. Luke Creasy's at 38,000. Clint Lay's at 41. Bulldogging, though, we got a couple guys that are getting really close to contending for the world lead. Scott Ginther, after that huge Cowboy Christmas, he's number three. He's got Friend of the show. Yeah. Star of episode number two. He Cowboy is. shit. Good, great guy. Number third in the world. Just finished, uh, I want to say, third at the Stampede there. Yep. In the showdown yep. round one is sell 15,000 there. Curtis Cassidy's number fourth, though, in the Bulldoggin. And I just saw the other day, Tanner Mylon's like 24th. He's, He's climbing. knocking at the door. Climbing the ladder. Knocking at the door. A lot of season left. A lot of season left. July's a big month. August July. is another big one. Saddle Bronc riding Zeke Thurston. He's number five. He's got 73,001. Nice. Clay Elliott, number 10, 53,000 in the bank. And number 20, Tyrell Larson, he's got 33,000. Tyrell is 15th with 45. Tyrell has been riding. I, get, I was talking to Oren. He said he won like 15,000 up to like the, like a few days ago. At, uh, during Over fourth the fourth? Yeah. yeah. He's been, been so he's, hot. He's right in there now, right up uh, within striking distance. There's Sweet. a big bit of a gap in the deal there, but he's knocking at the door. Nice. Go down to the uh, bull riding standings and... Jared Parsonage, top 50. So is Jordan Hansen. Not sure what those guys are going to do the rest of the year. Jordan kind of got hasn't had a full year, and Jared has... Uh, Just hurt himself? Hurt his foot at Stampede. So How, is that going to keep him on the shelf long, though, with his foot? I don't think it will. I don't know. We'll see. Stay tuned for more injury report. We'll have breaking news in two to four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> really up to date. <laughs> <laughs> Wrapping up things, though, in the barrel race in Karin Pazabon. She's number 10. Nice. WPRA World Standings. Good job, Carmen. 000. And that doesn't include all the money she just won in Calgary, which nice. is about 15 or 18 grand. So Truck, yeah. That will help her out. That's huge. Very huge. What do you got, Wace? In the PBR, Professional Bull Riders, Dakota, I can't believe it's not butter. Holding down number 13, holding steady. Number 21 is our friend from Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, Tanner Byrne. The tallest guy in the league, probably. Tallest guy in the, in the bigs. And then we got... Beer up, Brick Tamalan Radford <laughs> <laughs> coming in at number 28. Those guys are just hitting the road, aren't they, right now to go down to a bunch of bull rides? Brock and Lonnie and Yeah, them. they'll be in uh, Livingston, Big Sky. They're, yep. And they're probably going to, but they'll probably be here first for Czar and Manor. Right. And then North Battleford. Then they'll go, actually, they're probably going down to Cheyenne, Cheyenne as well. Yeah. So, yeah, so bull riding for those guys to do there, hitting her hard. Londart West coming in at number 32, holding nice. down strong. And then the next closest, Cody Coverchuck, number 56. Right, oh. It's going to be looking pretty good coming, shaping up for the tour. Heck, yeah. Four Canadians on so far. That's pretty badass. It's going to be good. And it's coming back here uh, 
just after our next episode. Oh, really? Start oh, I guess first middle of going. August. First, middle of August, yeah. Middle of August. Jeez. They're back, so stay tuned. This has uh, been great talking to you, folks. Nice, uh, nice catching up. Nice catching up. Shout out we to We made the, it through Stampede. Shout out to all the uh, folks, all the volunteers, Stampede Rodeo Committee, Chuck Wagon Committee. Awesome. You Stampede guys do an volunteers. awesome job. Thanks for putting on another great show. Thanks for having us. See you next time. <laughs> See you down the road. You're listening to Cowboy Shit, brought to you by Everything Cowboy.